October 11th, 2019. Happy National Coming Out Day. Wherever you're listening, all over the country, it is National Coming Out Day, October the 11th. Of course, recognizing the historic March on Washington that occurred October the 11th, 1987, when hundreds of thousands of us, including yours truly, we marched on the nation's capital demanding equality under the law and demanding an end to the AIDS epidemic. And I cannot even believe how long ago that was, 97. 32 years ago. Wow. That's longer than I've been born, John. Thank you for that. <laughs> rubbing it in. Here I am, fresh back from vacation, and Jason's already rubbing in our generational got, divide. Got to bring you back to reality here, John. <laughs> I appreciate it. I hope Hawaii was fun. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Gang, I was on Hawaii, on Maui, for a week with three of my dearest lifelong friends, and then I went to the state of New Mexico, land of enchantment, to spend Ooh. time with family for a week, and it was a great two weeks. Jason, thank you for holding down the fort. While of, I was course, of course, of course. But you know, sidebar isn't sidebar without John oh, Duran. Oh, you're too sweet. You yeah. know. And thanks to uh, to uh, Jarrett and and uh, uh, Ali for uh, <laughs> doing my show for me the last two weeks. Uh, I really appreciate it, gang. Everybody. So let's talk about today because we've got a, a great lineup of people coming in today to talk here on the annual National Coming Out Day. We're starting out with Amanda Goad from the ACLU Gay and Lesbian Rights Chapter. Uh, the ACLU is in front of the Supreme Court this week on the equality cases on whether or not Title VII prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a very close vote. I can see four votes on one side, four votes on the other, and the swing vote is a Trump appointee named Neil Gorish, and we will hear from Amanda this morning what she thinks about how the Supreme Court may decide a case that's going to affect millions of LGBT people all over the country. So we'll, we'll learn all about that. And then we've got Enrique Sapine and Liliana Carrera coming in from uh, the Q Agenda, which is a new television cable show that's being launched this week, uh, focusing on the Latino, Latina, Latinx LGBT communities here in Southern California. So we'll hear from Enrique and Liliana about why we need to have a, a, table, a cable show focusing on LGBT Latinx people. And then a little bit of a Halloween teaser. You all know I love Halloween. I love Halloween and I love Christmas. I same, love, same. I, yeah, I can't decide which Halloween, uh, which holiday I love more. The thing is, when it gets to this time of the year, there's just a certain vibe that just comes out and everybody's just happy and excited during uh, this time of year. Absolutely. I, and I absolutely am. So we've got a, a couple coming on uh, who are doing an art show called Superstitions, which Ooh. is exploring superstitions in different cultures and an art gallery and they're going to be talking about what they have on display and the role that superstition plays in all of our varying cultures. And then we're going to end up with Samuel Garrett Pat, Pat Pate. I always, I always butcher his name. He's going to kill me. Uh, from Equality California, uh, Samuel's been on the show a few times, and he is just so smart. He's a really smart guy, and he's got his finger on the barometer of what's happening in LGBT politics around the country and here specifically in California. So be interested in hearing from him. So that's all of our National Coming Out Day stuff. And in support of National Coming Out Day, Channel Q, we are partnering with PFLAG, uh, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. I remember when they started, it was the nation's first and largest organization for LGBT people, our parents, our families, and our allies. And they provide uh, support and education and advocacy through a na national network of 400 chapters all over the country. And uh, if you want to support the important work of PFLAG, 
uh, the first and largest organization to support the LGBT community and their parents, families, and allies, then just ta- uh, text Channel Q, all one word, Channel Q to 41444 if you wish to make a contribution to P- PFLAG. I'm a big fan of PFLAG. I hope you are too. Having our moms and dads and families out there in the front lines with all of us is a really important thing. So, Let's talk about uh, National Coming Out Day for a second and really what's happening all over the country as I speak because the Donald, man, the uh, chickens are finally coming home to roost. We've got uh, a former ambassador to the Ukraine testifying before the U.S. Congress right now as we speak about uh, Rudy Giuliani and the Trump campaign trying to uh, convince the Ukrainian government to do an investigation on Joe Biden and his son hunter to help donald in the upcoming 2020 elections and to be so tragic about this this all was happening weeks after the Mueller report first came out slapping the donald on the hand for trying to get russia involved in our politics he dodged impeachment then he's not dodging so successfully now because he didn't learn a lesson and here currently while he sits in the office of the u.s presidency is calling upon foreign nations to intervene in our elections to influence the outcome against the law against the constitution against everything american and uh mostly a very silent republic Republican Party, not sure how to navigate the politics of what's going on, but we're seeing cracks. The governor of Maryland came out today calling for the impeachment inquiry. He's a Republican, and we're seeing other Republicans like Mitt Romney starting to speak out. And the question is, is this going to happen just like it did with Richard Nixon, where it wasn't so much the crime, but the cover up that came afterwards that led to the impeachment. And it appears that this act of involving the Ukrainian government in our upcoming election, that there was an orchestrated cover-up with the Attorney General, William Barr, with the Secretary of State, William Pompeo, with the President, and possibly the Vice President. And don't forget, when Richard Nixon was the President, his Attorney General went to federal prison, John Mitchell, for the cover-up of the burglars. The question is, are we leading to another cover-up that's going to lead to some national consequences? And... Yes, it should, because the Donald is lawless, reckless, impulsive, deranged, a madman with his finger on nuclear weaponry and armies, and he is screwing up what's happening right now in Syria. We're betraying the Kurds. The Turks are bombing uh, Kurdish territories. It's really a very sad state of affairs, and it all comes down to this. We have a madman in the White House. He needs to go, either by election or by impeachment. I don't care which way at this point. He needs to go to restore not only our national goodness and grace, but world order on top of it. So I'll get off my soapbox. When we come back from commercial break, we will hear from Amanda Goad and the ACLU about the court cases currently before the U.S. Supreme Court here on Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Same love, Macklemore and Ryan. It was appropriate for our uh, next guest, Amanda Goats from the ACLU. Welcome back, Amanda. Great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me, and happy birthday to Channel Q. Yes, thank you. Yes, gang, it is our one-year anniversary, our one-year birthday to Channel Q, and thank you for the well wishes, Amanda. Exciting week at the U.S. Supreme Court. We've got three three cases before the court, uh, two on uh, sexual orientation discrimination, one on transgender equality. Is that right? That's right. The, the question is, is it illegal under federal law to fire someone simply for being LGBTQ? And unfortunately, that is still a question today. Yeah. Now, in, now twenty, I think 21 states have LGBT protections now under state law, roughly, right? Could be right? 23. 23. There's a couple where it's complicated. So almost, almost half, almost half the states. But for the other half of the nation, they live in a place where you can legally get married on Saturday and fired on Monday morning. Well, it's a little more complicated than that, because over the past decade or so, a number of federal courts have recognized that, you know what, if you have a, a male employee who marries a woman and that's not a problem, but then a male employee marries a man and you have a problem and you fire that person, that is sex discrimination. And that's the argument before the court, right? That's right. That's the argument is that to discriminate against LGBT people is a form of sex discrimination. Exactly. And there's really no logical way to think through those situations without coming back to the person's sex being the issue. Yeah. There's the gay version of the question. Um, Don Zarda is the plaintiff in one of those cases, and and his situation, he was working as a skydiving instructor. When you take a skydiving lesson, you get strapped in really close with your instructor, and he was actually trying to make a woman customer feel better about that awkward situation of being strapped body to body to him and said, hey, by the way, if it helps, I'm gay. Yeah, so I got no interest in you, right? But when the the boss found out he had said that, somehow that was a problem and got him fired. (laughs) Not for the woman strapped tandem to him, but for the boss down on the ground. Exactly. And then in, in the other case, Amy Stevens, whom the ACLU has been representing, she had been working as a funeral director at a funeral home in Michigan for a number of years, very successfully. She had known since early childhood that she identified as a woman, but she wasn't really sure what to do with that and was struggling, and then eventually just made the decision that she was going to come out and be who she was at work. So she wrote an open letter to her coworkers saying, this is who I am. I'm going on vacation for a couple weeks, but when I come back, please call me Amy. And that also was a problem for the boss who Hmm. let her know explicitly because of that, your services are no longer needed. So... Again, as a matter of logic, you know, you had this employee you perceived as male. Everybody agrees that was working well. The fact that the employee explains she's actually a woman is the reason she gets fired. Of course, that's because of sex. And yet that's the question the justices were debating this week. So it's Title VII, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, that is the underlying uh, legislation that's at the crux of all of this. And I know Loving versus Virginia, which we relied on heavily on our marriage cases, was the the challenge that some states uh, forbid interracial marriage. You couldn't marry across racial lines. And so in Loving versus Virginia, they were being discriminated against not necessarily for just their race, in this case the woman who was African-American, the man was white, but also being discriminated against for associating with somebody of a different race. So, I mean, there seems to be at least some analogy that that should be extended to LGBT people, that even though 64, Congress did not consider LGBT people because we were criminalized in all 50 states at that point, we were criminal, uh, even though they didn't contemplate including us much less transgender people, as the law has changed, uh, the, the Title VII should continue to expand. At least that's how I would see it. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Loving versus Virginia was a constitutional case. And there's a certain way of looking at it where the cases from this week, just dealing with the language of the statute, the Civil Rights Act, it's an even simpler question. What are the words in the statute mean? Right. And it's absolutely true that in 1964, the people who were debating the Civil Rights Act on the floor of Congress, they probably weren't specifically thinking about Don Zarda's situation or Amy Stevens's situation. But it's also not new or abnormal for the courts to need to consider new information and circumstances in interpreting the law, Mm -hmm. even for Title VII of the Civil Rights Act itself. You know, in the beginning days of Title VII, it was not considered legal legally actionable that you had been sexually harassed at work. Mm-hmm. And that is such a no-brainer now. But it took until the mid-80s for the Supreme Court to consider that question and say, you know what, that is a form of sex discrimination. Right. And, and this is a really interesting question because the conservative argument on this is that you know the, the members of Congress who passed the Civil Rights Act of 64 weren't thinking about this and we have to go to their intent. But Justice Scalia, uh, the late Justice Scalia, very conservative fellow uh, in the Oncali case, which was the oil rig case, reasoned that when a male worker was complaining about sexual harassment by a male co-worker, that even though the original members of Congress didn't contemplate same-sex sexual harassment, that the principle should stand based on the text, uh, that, that the text of the statute should prevail over the politics. Exactly. And that decision was from 98. Like you said, opinion written by Justice Scalia, normally not considered a a big advocate for moving forward feminist causes. Right. But it was obvious that that was the right interpretation of Title VII, given the circumstances as they existed. And, you know, we've had a gradually evolving social understanding that sexual harassment is unacceptable and people need to be held accountable for it. And the same is true for LGBT discrimination. You know, and of course, it's ironic because Scalia wrote that opinion. I think if Scalia had not died of suddenly of a heart attack and if he was still on the Supreme Court, he would probably have voted in our favor, not out of politics or even comfort. I think he was very uncomfortable around our people, but out of his adherence to principle, the principles he was advocating for on the Uncali case. He died. He's replaced by uh, Neil Gorsuch, who now seems to be raising the exact issues that Scalia would have raised had he been on the court. And I I think all eyes are on Gorsuch at this point. What is he going to do? Stick to principle, conservative legal principle, or politics? Yeah, and these cases in, involve questions of both theory and practice, and it, it really concerns me in practice. Before he got onto the Supreme Court, Justice Gorsuch, when he was on the Tenth Circuit, issued a notorious opinion ruling against a truck driver who had been in a situation where his truck broke down and he was going to freeze to death unless he went and got help. But that was a violation of company policy, and he got fired for it. So, you know, if, if Justice Gorsuch was comfortable with that ruling, oh I, that God. doesn't make me feel good about this case. It doesn't make me feel good. He's going to stick by us. <laughs> and, of course, he, you know, Barack Obama, when uh, Scalia passed away, nominated Merrick Garland. And uh, Mitch McConnell, the head, head of this, uh, president of the Senate, refused to give Merrick a hearing for a year. Uh, saying, well, we got to let the American people decide. And, and we, had we had maybe a Justice Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court today, we'd be feeling a little better maybe about the outcomes on these cases, yeah? Perhaps, but we'll never know. 
we'll never know. And that's why I know people are like, what do you predict? What do you predict? And I, I said what you just said, Amanda. You never know. You never know. I, I think, too, the, the Chief Justice John Roberts, he, I think he is going out of his way to try to keep the court above the political fray of what's happened. The nation is severely divided. Our politics have become coarse and vulgar. Uh, you know, social media has added new layers of incivility. And I think the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is trying to say, we're above all that. We need to stay above all that. And you, you mentioned during the break before you came on that he was relatively quiet uh, at the hearing on Tuesday. Yeah. So is that good or bad? It could be. Yeah. I mean, I, having looked at the transcripts from the Supreme Court, it's it's really frustrating how much of the conversation, even though it was in civil language, was about bathrooms. Oh, no, and you're it, kidding it, me. It, We're back to the bathrooms and the showers. Right, even though that's not really an issue it's in these cases. I mean, we do more than shower and poop. I hate to tell everybody, but come on. They got to the bathrooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if, if that's where people's minds immediately go, it just seems like that's really problematic in terms of understanding oh. that LGBTQ people are, like you said, full humans trying to live our authentic lives and go to work as our whole selves. And that's right. really all this boils down to. Oh, my gosh. I assume those questions are coming out of Samuel Alito or somebody like that among others among others wow i'm trying to i'm trying to like clarence thomas normally sits silent on everything he doesn't say a word you said chief justice roberts was mostly silent so that means it's probably alito and brett kavanaugh uh, <laughs> resorting to the end maybe gorsuch uh you know i'm i'm looking at this and now kavanaugh looking at how he's been voting in the past year. I mean, he got through a very bruising confirmation through the U.S. Senate over his own sexual harassment allegations. But and the he, sexual assault, to be clear. Yeah, but he has been um, lining himself up, I, I think I read somewhere, 80% of the time with the chief justice, trying to find the moderate center on the court. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that with the chief justice on our LGBT issues. Yeah, and it's hard to say, it's hard to predict in any particular case, but like you said earlier, this should be a simple textual interpretation question, and there is so much precedent for that being the conservative view of the law. Yeah, exactly. Gang, we're talking to Amanda Goat from the ACLU. When we'll come back, when we come back, more about our LGBT rights before the United States Supreme Court and the Congress. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Yes, Lady Gaga, born this way. Thank you, Lady Gaga. Yes, we were born this way. <laughs> we were. We're talking to Amanda Goad from the ACLU. We were talking about Title Seven and the cases before the U.S. Supreme Court before the break, and so. I mean, I know that ultimately it'd be great if we can get the Congress to just add sexual orientation and gender identity to Title VII. We got it through the House. The Senate, Mitch McConnell's just put a kibosh on it. It's going nowhere. Donald Trump will not sign it. But, uh, you know, we take back the Senate in 2020. We take back the White House. We can get it through. That'd all be great. But let's play worst case scenario for a second. Let's just say that the Supreme Court rules against us when they come. When will that opinion issue in April, May? There's no telling, but big, high profile landmark cases often come down in June. June. And in the past, right you know, in time they're, for gay pride. Exactly. Sometimes <laughs> that's been an occasion for our community to party extra, and celebrate. Yeah. But, you know, pride started out as a protest, and we could go back there too. We may end up there again in June of 2020. If we lose at the Supreme Supreme Court. What next? What what do we do? Well, the stakes here are really high. There's the direct question before the court, which is really practically important because everybody needs to make a living. And in some states like California, we already enjoy more explicit LGBTQ employment protections. But in the parts of the country that don't have that, this is just really practically important that people have recourse. But the same reasoning from the employment context would apply potentially in lots of other settings where people have been able to argue sex discrimination against them for being LGBTQ was a problem. So that includes housing, mm. and that includes education, and that includes healthcare, and mm. really all of our basic needs. Mm. So it, it's important in a lot of different legal senses, but honestly, I think it's also the arguments that the defense, including the federal government, unfortunately took the side of the employers in these cases, what they're trying to say is that Title VII only prevents firing someone for being a woman or a man, and that it's perfectly fine for an employer to fire someone for being the wrong kind of woman or, or the, the wrong, wrong kind, kind of man. man. Right. And that is really dangerous. Yep. If that were to suddenly become the law, then you know, I envision my cis female friends who prefer to wear pants to work. Mm. And my cis male friends who prefer to wear long hair. Right. And all these things that are a little bit of a departure from traditional gender stereotypes. But over the last few decades, it's been more and more clear that they're not the employer's business. That could all be chipped away. That was the, the Price Waterhouse case, right? Was it Hopkins? Hopkins versus exactly. Price Waterhouse, where Miss uh, Hopkins was discriminated against because she was too masculine or did, wasn't effeminate enough, didn't wear enough makeup or fix her hair or whatever, that she was too masculine. Exactly. And they extended Title VII to protect against sexual stereotyping. Exactly. So. The, since that case in 1989, it's it's been clear that you can't fire someone for being the wrong kind of woman. Or mm -hmm. Anne Hopkins was actually denied a promotion for being the wrong kind of woman. But it's scary to think that that might get rolled back yeah. by the current court. And then there's just sort of the ambient emotional trauma that I think it, it causes to have this question debated in a formal context. You know, LGBTQ people are already carrying such a burden of trauma and such a sense that we're not always confident that who we are is respected or considered equal in this society. Mm. It's gotten a lot better in the course of my lifetime, but it's not something that we can ultimately feel confident about. And then having the Supreme Court debate such basic questions of our dignity is reinforcing that anxiety, I think, and it's gonna be really tough 
if we get a bad decision. Yeah, I think so. You know, I live in many bubbles. At first, I live in the bubble called West Hollywood, <laughs> which is so pro-LGBT. Then I live in the bubble called L.A. County, and then the next bubble, California, and then the next bubble, kind of the West Coast, which it seems to be moving along quite progressively. But I forget sometimes that people who are listening in right now in Texas and in Louisiana and in Arkansas and other places uh, don't have full equality under the law. Absolutely, and surveys show about a quarter of LGBTQ Americans say that they believe they've experienced employment discrimination for their identity within the past year. And then it's about two-thirds of our community feels they've experienced discrimination at work at some point in their career. Mm. And those are huge numbers of people. Mm. That is that's amazing. You know, I think back to some of the early civil rights cases and, you know, e- even the lunch counter cases in Alabama, you know. It wasn't so much the, the sitting at the counter. You could sit at the counter, but you had to sit over in the black section. Or you could ride the bus, but you had to ride in the back of the bus. Or you could be given equality just separated from the rest of the community. And, and those are arguments failed and went down and now they're seen as absurd and i want to believe that someday the discussion we're having (laughs) will seem that it was absurd uh that that people two couples could get married on a saturday you know a, a man and a woman work for the same employer hey i got married to a guy named joe says bonnie and jack says hey i got married to a guy named joe too and you're fired uh, joe and bonnie you get to stay uh it's just absurd absurd. Indeed. And I, I want to be clear, it's it's not a lost cause. That very question, so many federal courts in the past few years have considered it. And so many of them have concluded that, yeah, of course, this is sex discrimination. And that includes judges perceived as conservative and many Republican appointees. So mm-hmm. anything's possible. But on the flip side, like you said, we need to pass the Equality Act. Because that, in addition to providing very clear mandates to employers on the LGBTQ questions, it would address all the other contexts like housing and right to serve on a jury and federal programs themselves not being able to discriminate, which unfortunately has become an issue lately. And it also would close some other gaps in the federal civil rights law. Like right now, it is not against federal law for a retail business to explicitly charge women a higher price. Mm. In most states, that's an issue. But in some states, you can't really trust the civil rights enforcement authorities to do anything about it either. So it's important that we close some of those loopholes separate and apart from the LGBTQ questions. So I know, because I'm old. (laughs) Go ahead, Jason, say it. You're old, John. (laughs) You're a young guy, John. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know that the ACLU has been at the spearhead of LGBT equality for a long time, <laughs> like over 40 years, 50 years. If people are listening in and they want to contribute to the ACLU to help further the advancement of LGBT equality, where should they go to give? ACLU.org is our national website where you can find lots of resources. And if you want to contribute resources, that's always welcome too. I work for the ACLU of Southern California and would love for folks to, to follow their local affiliate on social media to keep up with what we're up to. See, gang, if you're mad about Donald Trump, if you're mad about Mike Pence, if you're mad about Mitch McConnell, if you're mad about all of this, give to the ACLU, give to PFLAG, give to our allies who are out there doing the good fight. You don't just have to be mad. You can do something about it. And easy. You can just do it online. You don't have to get out of your chair. So that's awesome. Anything else coming up on your docket, Amanda, you want to talk about or the ACLU? Well, I just think it's important to be clear when talking about these cases. Yeah, they're really important, but formal legal equality like we're trying to achieve through these cases, it's necessary but not sufficient to really getting 
full equality in our daily lives. And so even in California, where the laws on the books are good, we have so much work to do. We're fighting for the rights of LGBTQ people in the criminal justice system, in schools, to access health care to be respected for who they are in settings like bathrooms and locker rooms. And mm. so all of those fights continue to be important even after we secure things like confirmation that if you fire someone for being trans, it's because of her sex. Yeah. And let me just, you know, let me put on my other hat, my Latino American hat. Thank you for all you're doing for immigrants. Everything the ACLU does to fight for immigrants. We are a nation of immigrants. Uh, my, Jason's family, Jason's from a family of immigrants from Lebanon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm actually 40% Native American, so I get to claim originality here, at least 40% of me. But I have my Spaniard side, my Serbian side, and I'm even partially Libyan, if you can believe it. I've got You're little, a unicorn, for I sure. I am definitely a unicorn. <laughs> Amanda, thanks for coming on to the show, as always. You're so intelligent, so bright, so wonderful having you here, expressing you know what you know and sharing it with our listeners, and thank you for for all the God's good work at the ACLU. Thank you so much. So grateful. When we come back, Enrique Sapin and Liliana Carrera from uh, Latino Cable TV, The Q Agenda. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. El otro lado del rio. Beautiful song about the other side of the river and uh, getting to LGBT equality. And on my show now, we've got two guests. I've got Enrique Sapin and Liana Carrera Woo! from the Q Agenda. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for Al otro lado del rio. Que canción tan bonita. I love it's that song. It's beautiful. Have you, you know this song? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. It's a okay. beautiful song. I was like, I didn't expect it. I was always like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. this is dangerous. We have got three Latino Latinas in the same room mm -hmm. all at the same time. You know what that? It's a reason mm -hmm. to break out tequila, Jason. Uh -oh. <laughs> Basically, mm -hmm. and share the cheese, man. That means the gossip <laughs> around what's happening around town. You guys, you guys, you just launched the Q Agenda. What is the Q Agenda? Well, the Q Agenda is a space for everybody to come and express themselves and talk about anything and everything they want to talk about. Um, this is LATV's second attempt to uh, produce a show that is for LGBTQ people and targeting the Latinx community. Um, so we have all colors of the rainbow and we're all very opinionated and not afraid to say what we think and we invite people to come over and share their thoughts and, and talk about issues that are affecting the community that other people are not talking about. Now, how did you how did you get selected, Leon? Okay, well, Enrique, uh, we wanted uh, to bring a comedian on the show because that's what I, my background is in comedy, and just to sort of be able to infuse a little bit of, of humor, but then also to speak, uh, I think, in a very intelligent way. I think all comedians are very intelligent. You right? have to I'm be. biased. You I'm have biased. To be. Yeah, you have uh, to be. Yeah, to like yeah. bring levity to some of these issues that are going on in the LGBTQ Latinx community, and um, also uh, Enrique was really. Um, adamant about getting a sort of third uh, generation uh, person that, uh, that's on the show that isn't uh, necessarily uh, speaking
speaking Spanish uh, as my first or second language mm. uh, because we that story represents so many other people in the Latinx community who uh, who 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 don't have the language, and yeah. so it's really been cool. It's been like a, a calling in yeah. of uh, bringing me home uh, again to not only people who are beautifully passionate and my people, but also hearing my language, uh, the original language of you know my ancestors. <laughs> it's, it's been brilliant. Now you see, I'm mostly English. I can uh-huh. sort of get by in Spanish, okay, but okay. I, I am like a fourth generation American, so okay. I can barely get by in Spanish. But yeah. You you're, you speak, are you bilingual? Or? I'm bilingual, but I actually know American Sign Language. So that's the other thing. Oh, that's you're kind trilingual. Of yeah. yeah. Well, not really. Not trilingual because I don't speak Spanish very well at all. But um, <laughs> okay. no, but I'm trilingual. Spanglish. You get away with it. You're yeah, good. Yeah. So my, my mom is deaf and I come from like a deaf family. And so that's another thing too about the Spanish language is that so often it's passed through your mother who's raising you and with right. you. And, and right. I, I missed that because I learned sign language, which I think is even cooler, but it doesn't yes. really work on like, you know, having a street cred. You yeah. know, for for being well, maybe we should do it. You know, like in Venezuela, the, the, back in the day, they had like the the little window and the sign and do the tra- the sign language stuff. Maybe you can translate the show to be. I'll do it. You know, I'm going to ask for more money. <laughs> what? 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 I'm going to ask okay. for more money. Do I have interpreted yes. Venezuela, so I have no idea. <laughs> That's how we roll. Time We're out. eccentric. You're Venezuelan. Yes, yes I am. And yes, uh, you're not. Are you? I'm, I'm Cuban. I'm, I'm Cuban. I'm very white though, as well. Yeah. But I'm Cuban. My father is Cuban. Yes. And yeah. I'm just plain old Mexican. You are good. Plain my old husband. Mexican. My husband. Husband's Mexican. Well, there you go. Yeah. Mexican. Yeah. I mean, Southern California. This is <laughs> yeah. great. Yep, yep. We've got all nationalities. We're United Nations. Yeah. There is a great show on PBS uh, called Latinos in America. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it covers the Cuban uh, immigration from Cuba into Florida mm-hmm. and the creation of a Cuban co- community in Miami. It covers the Puerto Rican story in New York, and it covers the story of Mexican-Americans in Los Angeles. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there was something in the Eisenhower administration in the mm-hmm. 1950s called Operation Wetback. Oh, Literally, wow. oh my that is the name of Jeez. the federal program, Operation Wetback, oh my God. where they intentionally deported Mexicans back to Mexico, including Mexicans who were born and raised here. They were really? just Mexican-American. Well, that sounds like this times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like, We've been here before. Guess what? We brought Operation Wetback back. <laughs> We've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad. I don't want to talk about that. I know. It's, really, it's, it's off limits. No, it's really up. I mean, you know, people say to me, John, t- when did your family come across the border? And I'm like... Wait a minute. I said, my family has been in the Southwest United States, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, for 400 years that we can go back. Yeah. Your border crossed my family exactly. in 1919. That's exactly when what my husband says. Yeah. Know, my husband says the exact same thing because, again, he's like fourth generation or whatever. Yeah. But he's like, the border crossed my family. Exactly. It's not, it wasn't the other way around. You know what's crazy about what's going on right now politically, too, is that my last name is Carrera, and I would consider myself very Americanized through no choice of my own, but Americanized. And I'll be on Facebook and I'll say something like like about Trump, you know, something like uh, this is unacceptable, something pretty standard. And I will get attacked as in like real Americans voted for him anyway. And I, I try to think about it because I am Americans. so Americanized. I mean, what I mean, does that even mean? Cuba, no. I realized what he said. He said, look at all your last names. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like oh open racism. And he's open. talking about me. He mean, wow. And I am wow. like, white passing that with every other freaking Trumpism. Thing has exposed white nationalism. Yeah. So crazy. Because, you know, there are a lot of surnames with Hispanic heritage that are actual American names, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That too. Yeah. It's yeah. bonkers. Oh my God. Okay, Bring gang, we gotta go word, to commercial bonkers. break. When we come back, we'll be more about bonkers and, <laughs> and what happens with three Latino Latinas in one room. All right, thanks for tuning in, gang, here on Channel Q.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So fancy. All right, Bob Marley. Our love, one love. All right. We are on the air with Liana Carrera and Enrique Sapin from the Q Agenda, Latin yes. X Television. Congratulations on your show launching. Thank you. National Coming Out Day and Latin X are coming out. But during the break, we're talking about Santeria. How did we get on Santeria? I have no because idea. Because I'm Cuban yes. and that came up. Like I wouldn't know anything about it. But to, that's right. To put two and two together that your parents, your dad is Baptist. My dad is a Southern Baptist minister. Minister. Minister, and yeah. you come from the capital of Santeria. Yeah. That would be a great conversation. <laughs> I mean, I assume like all witches, warlocks, and voodoo people are LGBT. I mean, that is kind of our arena. Like, make it dramatic, like, make be... it bloody, make it colorful. That'd be it's so us. cool. I'll take that. And you know what? Halloween's around the corner. So, you know it what? It seems it's like a good time to scare my yeah. parents with I... Santeria. We're getting back to our roots. Can you imagine mom they would dad. drop dead? They oh would die. They already told yeah. my mom is so religious she would she would she, would she freak. might well, you, I, she thinks that like pride is demonic like, oh I, she's my like God. I'll be so happy with like a nice little like a uh, rainbow frozen drink in my hand smiling and she'll be like Liana be careful the devil is at pride I'm like well the devil oh is on she, vacation today I hope she's not one of those people that are like protesting out there with the signs she, you know at least she doesn't do that she doesn't okay, believe good. in voting she's that cra- she's oh, that oh, right wow. like where they believe that well, like God a, is in charge and will steer us all so that well, that's why we have a relationship if my mother believed in voting could you imagine Imagine. Can you imagine if she voted? Oh God, yeah, that yeah. would be ter- she vote for all the wrong people. Exactly. At least she doesn't. You know, that's positive. Wow. It's crazy. So anyway, th- um, uh, Halloween's gonna be fun, and Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Oh my God, I can't wait. I can you please record it? We need it on the show. We need this on the show. I'll, I'll my whole life on LA TV, my therapy sessions, everything. Uh, my next guests coming up after you guys are are launching an art show called Superstitions about superstition and culture. But a lot of uh, looking at LGBT places throughout world history, we often occupy the role of high priestess or high priest. A lot of Native American mm-hmm. cultures, actually people that were considered two-spirit mm-hmm. or exhibited both the masculine and the feminine were revered yep. in those cultures. That is I right. would be that. Yes, right? we revere you now. <laughs> Thank you. We're, we're Thank great you. reverence to you. Yes. <laughs> they did. That's You're absolutely right in history. And it's, you can. there's so many great stories to read about, you know, LGBTQ people that were considered gods and, and uh just honor that way yeah. because of it they could they honored their female side and their male side you know what's so crazy and I hate to be like the person that keeps bringing up religion but they did brainwash me for like 20 years <laughs> I think that the religious right is so afraid of androgyny I've come up with a, a theory because the whole idea that God is inside of us I think that is really offensive to them I think they think God is above us and someone outside of us and that's right. someone we have to like bow down to and ask well, for well that's what I just to. don't get so I think androgyny does represent like a fear that we will turn away we will turn to ourselves and yeah. not to a God in the sky. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have fundamentalist family members, and and I've had to have this debate. I'm like, what makes you think God has a gender? Right. Well, what mm-hmm. do you mean, God is a man? I yeah. said, why would God need a procreative 
gender. Why would uh-huh. God require to be either male Patriarchy. or female? When he created <laughs> yeah. male and female, Why, by the way. God's not reproducing. He's yeah. not in the business of reproduction. Why would he need genitalia or gender? I'm just curious. And of course, they spin in their own logic. And it's like, you know, Well, maybe. they don't want to say that it was all a matter of control. Yeah, this is why, of course, religious right hates us because we ask really serious questions like this. But you know what? But we still love you. Yeah. That's the difference. <laughs> we yeah. still love them, or they still yeah, love us? Yeah, we still us? love them. I love. I mean, you know what? I I I, I wouldn't mind having a conversation, or what you know do you what think I mean. About the uh, not to put you on the spot, but the whole Ellen DeGeneres controversy that happened this I week. I think that is ridiculous. So you, I think it's think absolutely it, ridiculous. It's like people are like, why are they? I think that we should be open to having these conversations and sit down with people. We are so radical nowadays. We're just so ready to chop the other person's head off. Uh-huh. And Online. What if we sat down and we talked? about it if and if you have the opportunity to touch that person and they see you and they talk to you and you humanize the demon that they have in their head that, that you are and you change that one person that's the only way that we can change this right well we I, there's this saying that I that I've always loved and it says that um, that doctrine uh, unites I'm sorry doctrine divides but like um, action or uh, love unites and this idea that yes we're gonna have our uh, political ideations and they're going to be different and if we focus on them we're gonna have a really heated conversation but sometimes through the action of just connection that it can change people's hearts. Of course. But but here's mm-hmm. the problem. I don't think people were as upset about her sitting in a box with George Bush. I think they were upset with how she handled it on her show afterwards. It mm. seems like that's the that's the thing where when she got when she gave a, a thing about it's about kindness and be kind to each other. I think there was a real opportunity to be like, you know what? We do disagree, but sometimes you are the only person in that person's life that has a chance to represent that part of something. Well, but you know what? But she started conversations. But she started conversations because on the View they were talking about, and all the different shows Mm -hmm. they were talking about, and Mm -hmm. everybody was putting their two cents on it. So now we are talking about this, which I agree, which I think good art does and good thing, but it's at an expense. I think at her, at her, it's uh, naturally at her. You know what I love about having Latinos on the show because you guys are not the first Latinos. They're such passionate people. Take anything and turn it into a telenovela. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The internet does that. I don't know if that's that. (laughs) CNN does it. Everybody in Fox News. They all do it. So do you guys think there's still a down low phenomenon in Latino communities? That there's still a component of uh, probably more men than women. I think most lesbians are kind of out and proud. But there's a down low element? Yeah, there's still a down low. But I think everything's turning. Because of the church or because of family or Uh what is it about? Latino culture, the that patriarchy, is. right? Again, I hate to keep bringing the p word, but patriarchy. Yeah. It's yeah. very masculine. Like, <laughs> remember that we all got when you were born Latino, you get a contract, and the first policy is drama, and we all fulfill it a hundred percent. That explains my life. I didn't even know that. Yeah, my life. <laughs> I, mean, I should have read the fine print in the contract. I yeah. must have glossed right yeah. over that. <laughs> that comes with the deal. Do you all feel like you do recognize and see like quote unquote straight men in marriage? Do you see that happening a lot, and you can kind of see that there is an under, like a lowdown situation happening? Well, I think that there's hope. Like you know, the Trevor Project just released a study that they did, 
And the new generations, the kids nowadays, they don't even want to go by LGBTQ. They don't want to be defined as uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. They want to be just... If you fall in love with a guy, you fall in love with a guy. If you fall in love with a girl, you fall in love with a girl. They don't want to go by the tags. I don't want to be called bi. I don't want to be called gay. I don't want to be called... And these are the people coming up. This is the future generations. You know what I will say, too, not to to add to that, is that um, not not too many decades ago, the only way to have they thought to have a family was to actually be in a heterosexual relationship and have mm-hmm. kids. So when you've got uh, gay men coming up through the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. and things like that, thinking, well, if I'm gay, then my option is to get AIDS and die or to think maybe that's so much of that homophobia during that time yeah, period that, was bad. that they decided, some decided to marry women to have kids, to have a family. I think that might be have something to do with it too. And then they gave HIV to their wives. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the sad phenomena yeah. that happened. Yeah, they were that was to the stop. price of the download. No, I didn't. I kept having sex oh, with men no. and women. Well, and it's oh, still to this no. day, just recently, well, the last research that I looked at, a lot of, in the Hispanic community particularly, guys that cheat on their wives with other guys, then come back to their wives and then they give them HIV. So it's like a whole yeah. subculture. Then. Yeah. yeah. And I think part, you said it was the patriarchy and I think an element of that is is the whole machismo. Machismo. The machismo. Yeah. The machismo yeah. about what it means to be a man. Uh-huh. This is what it means to be a man, mijo. Yes. Oh my God, how many times have I heard that from yes. my father? He's, he's not really cool. He's part of P Flag, and and my mom was one of the founding mothers of East LA P Flag oh, when P Flag wow. got started in East LA. Was your mom ahead of your dad? She was. She was in terms of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for a lot of Latinos, I think the thing that happens is it's family first, no mm-hmm. matter what. You mm-hmm. you may get divorced. You yeah. may end up getting disowned. You may end up poor, and or you may end up in jail. But the family sticks together no matter what. Right. That's like a really strong Latino value. I yeah, think. Yeah. Absolutely. We're running out of time. But oh. anything you want to say about. Uh, your show come well, up if definitely. people want to tune in to watch it please watch it I mean, yeah. the Q uh-huh. Agenda the Q Agenda it's at 8.30pm on the Eastern on the Easter Coast and then at 9pm on the West Coast and visit LATV.com to find the local listing in your area and if you still can't find it call your cable outlet and ask them what's going on and boom you, and you will hear more and more drama and passion out of these two absolutely <laughs> guaranteed and I was one of their first guests yes, yes I was. you were yeah. we're so happy yeah, to yeah, have yeah. you thank you for coming to the show night right oh so cool guys enrique liana thank you for coming on gang when we come back all about superstition with our next guest thanks for tuning in on channel q odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to london to see taylor swift at the eras tour it's tay in the uk hey it's taylor just download the free odyssey app log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry and you could win a chance to fly off to london with three friends and see taylor i can't wait to see you at the eras tour in london for more go to odyssey.com slash taylor tay in the uk on the odyssey app thanks to republic records this is a national contest Superstition by the incredible Stevie Wonder, and uh, I am now joined in studio, and I want to look it up because I don't want to mispronounce your name. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sean Noyce and Katya Uzvitsky. Perfect. Did I do Perfect. it right? I yes. do it right. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys have a show opening called Knock on Wood coming mm-hmm. up in West yes. Hollywood. What is it? Well, um, Sean and I are both visual artists, and we happen to be West Hollywood residents, so about a year ago, Sean actually proposed a piece to the Art Council, and they were generous enough to give us a grant. And uh, they also gave us the long haul in Plumber Park, 
which actually was far too large for just our piece. So we ended up devising an idea where we included seven other artists and um, asked them to participate in the show with us. Wow, really cool. And examine superstition in various cultures or... Uh, yeah, a little. I, it's it's um, it's superstitions and uh, uh, relating to uh, uh, objects that have power and 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 basically asking the question like why do we give objects and objectivity power? You know what I mean? Like uh, getting to the 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 both the root of why people are superstitious and why they give so much credence to objects. Yeah. Hmm. So let's use an example. I think the spilling of salt is a superstition that cuts across a whole lot of cultures, That's a right? pretty universal. Yeah, exactly. it, it is in, I think, uh, the Russian-speaking communities. It is Definitely. in Latino communities a lot. You spill salt, you're supposed to toss it over your left shoulder, I think, <laughs> is what the superstition says. I think so. I Actually, it's funny. I do it both. Because I don't know, I don't know which is which. Actually, <laughs> just to cover shoulders. all my bases. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Where does that come from? Do you guys know the history of where that came from? So uh, that 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 uh, superstition actually dates back to antiquity. Um, I think the like salt, salt um, has is is very charged, right? So uh, the ancient Egyptians used to use salt in their uh, in their in their rituals. Um, uh, Romans used it in the rituals as well. It's 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 very sacred. Also, in antiquity, um, uh, you know, salt was uh, was 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 quite quite valuable. It was very expensive to mine salt. So if you actually spilled it, it was basically like spilling gold. I mean, there was like a uh, hmm. there, were, there was a, an old tale that that said that uh, the the Romans used to pay their soldiers in salt. Um, so so when you spilled it, obviously you were just, you were basically spilling. I was going to say it used to be like a form of currency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was kind of debunked, but it was like it's, it's interesting that that superstition has kind of prevailed, mm-hmm. you know, since antiquity. Yeah. I mean, some of it makes sense, like don't walk under a ladder. Okay, that's because something will fall in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that one to me actually, makes that's absolute a sense. Old one too. Yeah, yeah. That, that one actually is another one that dates back to antiquity. It was um, the idea of of. Um, uh, with 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 a ladder, for example, you you're you're essentially creating a triangle against the wall, and to walk through a triangle, a triangle was like a very sacred, um, uh, almost like there there was a lot of symbolic resonance to that. So to walk through the triangle was basically uh, like like consecrate or not consecrating, but but basically betraying that 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 sacred geometry. Oh wow. What about the black cat? Since we're, since we're going through all the well-known yeah, yeah. ones, if a black cat crosses your path, you're supposed to go to the other side of the street, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that one's actually pretty pretty recent, but essentially the idea of a black cat was that they were believed to be a witch's familiar. So it kind of harkens back to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this prejudice against witches and witchcraft. Ah, so. which was prejudice against women. Yeah, primar- exactly. Primarily exactly. against yeah. women. Like if women were smart or if women were sexual, they had to be something evil. Exactly, yeah. Oh, you're turning to something. Is that another... What is this that you're so showing me in your So we actually happen to have a black cat piece in oh. the show. Oh, cool. So actually, going just going back to the show, so Sean had this idea to kind of to propose a project to West Hollywood that really engaged our local community. So we live in a very Russian enclave right by Plummer Park. So our piece deals specifically with Russian superstitions, but not every piece in the show is about that. But Lena Wolik, for example, she's from Siberia, 
and she wanted to create a piece that kind of specifically talked about the idea of a black cat and what it means to have a black cat cross your path. So she mm. created this giant ceramic deity that sits in the middle of the room surrounded by 140 other black cats. Hmm. So you're basically being confronted with the, you're, you're being forced to reckon with the idea of, of your superstition and what it means to, uh, like, wh- why, 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 why impose so much fear on such such a sort of benign creature? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then with with her with uh, her background in particular, she, um, you know, she Katya mentioned she grew up in Siberia, and there's there's a there's a very strong tradition of of um, uh, shamanic tr- uh, traditions in in Siberia that relate specifically to. Uh, animals and animal worship and mm-hmm. uh, the, the the kind of like broader scope of uh, human and animal uh, relationships. Hmm. Okay, knock on wood. I know where that one comes from. Mm-hmm. This do. is actually one that I do know. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, now you're going to test me because if I'm wrong, you're going to no, tell no, no, me wait, I'm wrong. Th- you know, let's, there's let's so many. <laughs> I think that these uh, superstition about when you speak about yourself in a positive way, you're supposed to knock on wood three times. Mm-hmm. And it comes from ancient, like, Christian belief that you were knocking on the wood of the crucifix of Christ to protect you from evil spirits coming on you for being too boastful or prideful. That's where I. That's where I heard it came from. The whole knocking on wood. You sound like a Webster dictionary. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was curious. I looked it up one day, and I forget where I read it now. But and it was on the internet, so it has to be true. Of course. Uh, who knows if it's true or not? But uh, that's what it was. The ancient Christendom that they believed they had. To, they were like trying to call on the power of the cross of Christ to protect them from evil, since they had just spoken about themselves in a positive way, lacking humility. Why is it then that people say like, oh? Knock on wood, I hope I get this job or something like because that. Because you're saying something positive about yourself. So oh, you're being I guess I could prideful. To so in order to correct it and put yourself back in a humble position, you knock on wood. Mm. I don't know. To me, it seems a little way out there, but uh, what do you I, guys think? I think Sean's got some. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I actually read that this dates back to uh, pre-Christian origins. Oh. So, so it goes back even further. This, this, is, this is sort of this... I you know you go down this rabbit hole and and you know you 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 peel back you know um you know uh peel back all the layers and you find out you know sort of the root origin of these things but this that one in particular I heard goes back to uh germanic uh tribal origins so the the idea is you're when you knock on the wood you're basically summoning the spirits of the trees so the first knock oh. is to summon the 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 spirit and the second knock is to thank them and then the third knock is Basically, see you later. And <laughs> <laughs> wow, I get. I guess it can be whatever your culture I, this, dictates this, at that time. <laughs> this is the thing about superstitions: is they're so prevalent, and every culture has them, and and everyone sort of like reappropriates and remixes to well, that's true. whatever whatever makes sense for them. Yeah. That that's very true too. What who was the brainchild behind we have less than a minute. Tell us a bit a bit about the exhibit. It's happening for the next two weeks in Plummer Park or three weeks? What? Yes. Well, actually Sean was the brainchild with the knock on wood piece and then it kind of spun out from there. Um but yeah, it's going on. It's gonna be open from noon to five, Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. for the next two weeks, and then on the twentieth we're actually having a walkthrough and an artist talk from two to three. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, so at the artist talk, we'll be we'll be mentioning um, more about the specific types of superstitions. Um, very fascinating stuff. I mean, if you're into this kind of thing, I mean, I, I recently picked up this book about 
superstitions from Utah because I'm actually from Utah. And there, this it's it's like you know you you can't see it because I'm I'm actually um, you know addressing the actual uh, size of it, but it's like three inches thick, thirteen thousand superstitions just from Utah alone, you know. So that Joseph Smith was a real busy I know, guy right? <laughs> there in Salt Lake City, I guess. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming on the show. Hope to see you at the show. It's this weekend and next weekend. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Samuel Garrett Pate from Equality California. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Thank you. The wonderful John Lennon telling us to imagine a world. Uh, and we are getting to that world that we've all imagined. And we, our next guest, Samuel Garrett-Pate from Equality California, is on the line. Samuel, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for being so flexible. We were trying to get you in the studio, and we got jammed. You know what? It was those superstition people I just had on. I should have knocked on wood. <laughs> I should have knocked on <laughs> or wood. Some salt or or thrown salt over my left shoulder or something. <laughs> Samuel, thanks for taking no some time out. It has been such an amazing year for LGBT people. I, I think both in Sacramento, where you all do a lot of your work, but also on the, the national stage. I mean, in your mind, like, what are the top three stories for LGBT people? right now is it supreme court no i mean yeah just look at this week and i think what it shows is that you know even as we are under attack clearly right um and and in particular the most vulnerable among us right trans service members being banned from the military trans women of color you know 20 of whom have been killed this year we are still resilient as a community um i think in part because uh you know Speaker Pelosi likes to say uh, about her caucus, our diversity is our strength and our unity is our power. And I think the same is true about the LGBTQ community. I think that's a really good point. We've had a great deal of diversity just on the show today. Uh, every color, every sexual orientation, gender identity, uh, it's, it's been really phenomenal. What, uh, what is uh, Equality California? You know, people in California and, and I think uh, especially West Side would think, oh, well, you know, we're Californians. We got it all handled. We should go help people other places. Is there still uh, some work yet to be done for those of us here on, on the West Coast? Absolutely. I mean, as long as there are kids who are being bullied and harassed in our schools, as long as, like we said, you know, there are trans folks who are being, you know, brutally attacked and murdered, um, there's work for, for all of us to do. Um, as long as HIV is still, uh, you know, it, folks are still transmitting, folks are, you know, there are still transmissions of HIV. We've got work to do. And just this week, um, you know, Governor Newsom signed a uh, bill that we sponsored, along with Senator Weiner from San Francisco and Assemblymember Gloria from San Diego, that makes it so that PrEP and PEP um, are both available now to Californians uh, as of January 1st without a prescription. Whoa, so, without a prescription. Without a prescription. So especially in the case of PEP, where, you know, you've got to get started on PEP 72, within 72 hours, and every hour counts um, from being exposed to HIV if you're not already on PrEP. Um, every hour counts. So when was the last time you tried to get a doctor's appointment in 72 hours? It's hard. Um, right. So people end up going into the emergency room or urgent care, which end up costing them tons of money uh, that, that really we need to make this as uh, accessible as possible. Um, and so now if, if someone believes they've been exposed to HIV and they're not already on PrEP, they can walk right into their 
nearest pharmacy as of January 1st in California um, and, and get a full course of, of PEP from the pharmacy. Wow, so it's almost become the equivalent of a, a condom. You can just get a condom in a drugstore. You don't have to get a doctor's prescription for that. Uh, I guess the same thing. Well, and I prep. think the difference, the difference is that your, your insurance company will still have to cover it. So, um, you know, it's not like an over-the-counter drug like Advil where you've got to pay for it out of pocket. Um, your insurance company will still have to cover PrEP or PEP. Um, and we one of the things that the law does, too, is actually ban insurance companies from requiring prior authorization. So sometimes people's insurance companies will say, oh, you've got to clear, you know, your doctor has to clear this with us before they fill the prescription. That can take days. Um, sometimes people don't have days. So uh, that won't be allowed anymore. Folks will be able to go right into a pharmacy. For PrEP, you'll be able to get a 30 to 60 day supply. After that, you'll still have to go through routine testing for HIV and kidney function. Um, but this is going to be a game changer in terms of especially folks in rural communities and in communities of color uh, who don't have as great access to PrEP and PEP, this is going to be a game changer in terms of expanding access. Well, you know, and I can imagine a scenario where somebody is out for a weekend and gets too drunk or too high or, or makes a mistake, has unsafe sex, and then thinks, man, I just did a random hookup with somebody who looked really sketchy. Did I just expose myself to HIV? I need to get on this, and I can go out and get Truvada tomorrow without having, if it's a weekend, without having to wait to, to see a doctor uh, and get started within 72 hours, like you say, on the drug to prevent the transmission of HIV. This is miraculous. This is great stuff, Samuel. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when it comes on the heels of um, Discovery becoming uh, approved by the FDA for, for men to use as PrEP, um, so now we have two drugs. Uh, Discovery has been shown to have some lesser side effects than Truvada. Um, you know, but both of these drugs are, are life-saving HIV prevention drugs, and we ought to make it easier, not harder, for people to take care of themselves and 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 make sure that they're uh, they're protecting themselves from HIV. Um, and we got to make it so that there's less stigma. So we've got to get the word out about. Um, the ability for folks to suppress their viral load by taking medication and, and becoming undetectable and, and therefore untransmittable in terms of HIV. So we're, we're moving the ball forward here in California. The president said he wants to end HIV, but has only taken steps to move us backward in that fight. We're moving forward um, thanks to folks like Gavin Newsom and thanks to uh, local LGBTQ uh, leaders that we have here in our state, like Senator Weiner and Assemblymember Gloria. That, that's fantastic. Let me ask, because I, I know some of you remember Gloria, he, he has a, a, a foot in each, each field like I do, one in LGBT world, one in Latino world. Uh, is there work to be done where uh, immigration and undocumented people intersect with LGBT community? And, and I know there's a great deal of need out there for people who are undocumented or refugees from other places as they Absolutely. try to immigrate. What, what's going on in the capital? Well, and we heard talk about this at CNN's town, presidential town hall last night on LGBTQ issues, um, where a number of folks, both immigrants and allies, uh, raised the issue of, of asylum seekers who are fleeing violence or persecution or, or just lack of um, engagement from their government in their home country in terms of protecting them, coming to the United States, seeking refuge. And the Trump administration has done everything possible to make that harder for them. And so we need a president who uh, will not just roll back these 
really horrific actions the Trump administration has taken to make it harder for people to seek asylum, which is a human right in in this world, Um, but also someone who will take proactive steps to make sure that we are advancing LGBTQ equality, not just here in, in the United States, but also around the world, and that when folks are in countries where they're being um, that they have the ability to the United States and seek asylum just like anyone else. Samuel, we are coming to the end of the interview, but I want to thank you again for always being available to all of us here at Channel Q. It's our one-year birthday today, so and you've been a guest yeah, on happy, my show. Happy National Coming Out Day and happy birthday. Thank you, and I know you've been on Jay and Michaela's show, and we just are all so grateful to have you in Equality California out there fighting for us. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you, John. Have a good one. All right. When we come back and concluding remarks, thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Well, gang, it is October the 11th, which means it's National Coming Out Day. And you're saying, why, John, is it National Coming Out Day every year on October 11th? Well, young Galing, let me tell you why. Because October the 11th, 1987, 500,000 of us marched on Washington, D.C., the second uh, National March on Washington, October the 11th, 1987. And out of that, ACT UP was spurned, but also National Coming Out Day was spurned. And we have been celebrating this day every year on October the 11th and here on Channel Q we're partnering this year with PFLAG and maybe you're saying John what is PFLAG parents friends lesbians and gays every pride parade that happens all over this country every year the loudest applause is always given to PFLAG because that's our moms and our dads and our siblings and our brothers and sisters and, and our cousins and our friends and our straight allies who stand by us and we could not do this work gang we're only they they said we were 10% of the population. We're not. We're only five. We're maybe only 5% of the population. And with only 5% of the population, we could not move the ball down on the civil rights field without the support of our straight allies and our families. So PFLAG, for all of your decades and decades of work, we're celebrating you today on this National Coming Out Day. And if you want to support PFLAG, make a contribution to PFLAG, for goodness sake. All you got to do is text Channel Q, like it's all one word, Channel Q, to 41444 41444 text channel Q and you can make a contribution to continue the work of PFLAG and as I mentioned earlier in the show my mom was one of the founding Latina members of the East LA PFLAG and other Latina mothers when they would come to say Gloria Gloria weren't weren't you upset when John told you he was gay she would just look back with a smile and say no I was upset when his brother Tony said he was a Republican (laughs) that was far more upsetting to me one of my favorite Mama Duran stories but Mama Duran is one of those mamas out there that has been supporting us for decades and decades and we need our parents right now more than ever because we are fighting for our lives in the Supreme Court we're fighting for our lives in 50 capitals we're fighting against Trumpism right wing fundamentalism world chaos and you know what gang we gotta link arms with our families Uh, we need them and you know what they need us so uh, that's what we're celebrating today here on October the 11th National Coming Out Day. So let's just reflect finally why why come out. 
Uh, you know, I came out in 1970. Oh, God. Jason, you weren't even a thought in your father's eye. 1978. What are these out. numbers that you're saying right now? I'm so unfamiliar with all of them. Yeah, well, it was Gloria Gaynor. It was Donna Summer. It was Disco. It was Platform Heels. I had Ooh, leisure disco. suits. Hey. I am so glad there were not iPhones back then because the pictures <laughs> would terrify me if I saw them today. But I was a little you know, gay kid in the 70s. And uh, I, I made the decision to come out, and it wasn't easy. I tried to pray the gay away. I did for years. If I just pray hard enough, this will go away. And guess what? It didn't go away. And I was dating girls, and you know I liked them, and they were fun to talk to. But at the end of the night, I kissed them, and I felt nothing. <laughs> nothing other than, God, I hope that's enough, because we're done. <laughs> I want to go home. Let me ask you something. Were you one of those guys that had those big, poofy afros back in the 70s? E- uh, e- even worse. I had Farrah Fawcett winged hair. Oh. <laughs> I had Farrah Fawcett winged hair. Uh, with like the long sideburns, too? Yeah, I looked like one of the Hardy brothers. I, it was re- I mean, I'm Latino. I looked ridiculous, but you know what? Was, Just trying to paint a picture yeah, for me here. <laughs> it is not a pretty picture. The picture we're painting, it is not a pretty picture. But I did my best, and and, you know, uh, while other guys were all excited about Farrah Fawcett, I-, I was excited about Sean Cassidy. So, I mean, that's just the way it rolled and the way it went. And I finally reached a point, like so many other LGBT people, where it's just you with you, meaning it was just me with me, sitting there looking at myself saying, I'm either going to live a life of lies or I'm going to be true to myself and who I am and suffer the consequences or the accolades, whatever comes my way, I will take both because I'm just going to be honest and be me. And when one reaches that threshold where it's either a life of lies or coming out and being true to yourself and to those who love you, it is the most freeing experience in the world. And what happens, not only are you changed, but everybody around you ends up changing along the way. You'll really discover who your real friends are. And uh, for the most part, 90% of my friends stuck right by me. And the other 10% that didn't weren't really friends in the first place. They weren't really anything. Yep. And family stuck by me. And was I fearful they were all going to reject me? Yes. Did mm-hmm. they reject me? No. And it all turned out to be okay. And it's led to a life of fulfillment and promise and feeling great every morning when I get up. So if you're listening and you're in the closet, blow that closet door up. It is not serving anybody. And once you break through that closet door, it splinters. It can never be put back together again. But the air and the light out here feel fantastic. Uh, Come on out. There's a civil rights movement in play at this moment. You are part of it. You can either be an active participant or a passive observer. We'd rather have you as an active participant. Whether you're marching, you're in the streets parading, you're rallying, you're talking at the dinner table, whatever contribution you want to make, the civil rights movement is in play. It is not over. You can be part of making history or history, however you identify it, as we all move forward down this road together. So it has been an incredible week. Uh, I'm glad to be back from vacation. Halloween is coming up. So next week, we'll have Fred and Jason coming back on the show to talk about Halloweeny. Jason, you're going to have to get your bleep button together because all right. we know Jason Duguay. He's got a potty <laughs> mouth and we got to watch him so we don't get in trouble with FCC. We'll be glad to have Fred and Jason on. And then the week after that, we are going to be into our Halloween show where we will explore the superstitions, the occult, the supernatural, everything like that. And one of my guests who's already confirmed
firm, Tyler Cassidy, the owner of the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I want to ask him about the fact that they just uh, moved Judy Garland's body to the Hollywood Forever <gasps> Cemetery. Judy, I know. Really? They did. Judy Garland's now in Hollywood, where she oh, should wow. be. Yeah, yeah. And but, I, they, but they dug her up? and Yeah. Oh. oh boy! Okay, superstition. Knock on wood, Jason. Throw salt over your left shoulder and your right shoulder. <laughs> Halloween is about to. It's Halloween turn time. Up. One of my favorite times of the year. All right, gang. We're wrapping up for the day. It's good to be back. Good to be with all of you. Thank you to all my guests who came in today. Jason, thank you for holding up the fort. Of course. While I was away, as always. <laughs> uh, thank you to Jared and Allie for covering for me the last two weeks. And I'll see you all next Friday here on Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q.